<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Gary Hoffman. They gave him a five-minute standing ovation at the end. Shannon Farron. The bitch is insane. you for being here and ruining everything for everybody else. Gary and Shannon. Together, we will make America great again. Fantastic. Oh. It's for one of our upcoming news and brews that we're going to do for the month of May. We're going to be out at Bravery Brewing in Lancaster once again for right around Memorial Day. We're putting together a beer with them. And Bart just emailed and asked when we can go help him brew. <laughs> That's like your dream come true. Oh my gosh! You get to brew. Your own special beer. Yeah, and I we're not going to tell you the name of it. It's it's going to be very fun, but um, but supposedly it's going to debut at our news and brew news and brews. I feel like you should laugh like that more often. Oh, I've I learned don't. a lot about laughing today. <laughs> it's pretty fun. Gary's uh, got a little bit of a case of the Wednesdays. He's uh, feeling a little unmotivated today. He's been manspreading all over his desk. You know what really made my day though last night. My son invited me to a baseball game. Aw. Yeah. Are you going to... You're feeling I things. could. I could yeah. totally squirt. What? what? My tears. Oh, my God. I'm going to go home. <laughs> Wait. What did I say? Anyway, if you know the history of the baseballs and the stuff, and my yeah. son and me. And we, Gary and loves it. baseball, and his kid uh, didn't he, want to he play tried, baseball. He tried a couple of years yeah. and said, eh, so I, got other right. thing, I got other things to do. So yesterday, Michelle sent me a link to an article about Jagged Little Pill, the Alanis Morissette album from the mid-90s that everybody adored if you were female and yeah, a yeah, teenager yeah, or in I your early know. 20s. Yes. And uh, it's funny because I, too, loved this album, and uh, I listened to it recently, maybe a year or so ago, and I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> this is so bad. Anyway, a uh, woman wrote an article about it. I just tweeted out the link to it on The Muse. Uh, Tracy Clark Flory is her name, and it's all about that album and how – People loved it. We all loved it. And then now we look back and go, what are we thinking? I kind of thought that maybe we all have like songs or a song like that, that we loved when we were young and before we knew what good music was. And now you hear that song and you're like, oh man, what was I thinking? Yeah. And maybe it's, maybe it's a memory that you have associated with that song or you just realize that was a piece of crap music piece anyway and i should never have blasted it and i apologize now to my neighbors yes (laughs) 
So if you have one of those, let us know. We're going to talk about that through the course of the show today. Uh, Let's start with the uh, FAA. Good Uh, news. Good news. There's a Senate subcommittee hearing all about the FAA and the NTSB and the transportation chief and what are we going to do. And it looks like they say they are going to have some sort of oversight of the airlines by July. We told you last week. The FAA basically lets airlines police themselves because they don't have the personnel and they don't have the money to actually get in there and do the work themselves. They're going to figure it out. The uh, the self-certifying practice that we've talked about now, the FAA delegates some of the authority for certifying new planes to the manufacturers themselves. And we've seen this cozy relationship that they've had with Boeing. The The practice is called organization designation authorization. Who comes is, up with that? Like I, who sits at a table <laughs> at the FAA and says, hey, we're not going to do the whole oversight part of our job. We're just going to let the airlines do that. What should we call we it? We need a good name for it so it doesn't sound like we're just punting. And then Bob in the back raises his hand and he says, organization, designation, authorization. And someone at the front is like, Bob, you're a genius. Well, they're going to be talking about organization, designation, authorization today when the it's acting. just words. They're just throwing words together. Acting FAA administrator, the Transportation Department Inspector General, and the chair of the National Transportation Safety Board go before this Senate subcommittee hearing. Um, In some of the testimony that we got before they started speaking, the inspector general said the FAA does plan to significantly revamp its oversight of aircraft development, like you said, but we haven't seen the specific uh, changes that they're working on. They are also, get this, the Justice Department is investigating possible criminal violations involving the certification of the 737 MAX as airworthy. Well, yeah. I mean, there could be some serious negligence there. If Boeing truly was just trying to rush through the safety certification of these MAX 8s because they were in competition with Airbus and their similar plane, and they were signing off on it. I mean, we've heard from engineers. Remember, we did that story on the Seattle Times investigation where they talked to engineers with Boeing and FAA, and they testified basically that, yeah, we were forced to rush this thing through so that Boeing could keep up with Airbus. Some of the other prepared testimony was from acting FAA Administrator Daniel Elwell, and he said that Boeing submitted an application in January that spelled out the changes that it was going to make to that MCAS system, the the flight control system. And that was as a result of what they saw after their investigation into the Indonesian crash, the Lion Air jet that went down back in October. Again, October is the first crash. And remember, we know the day before that, same plane had an exact same issue with it that somebody was able to fix from the cockpit. Then in January, they submit the application to change the flight control system. Wait, let me just pull the car yes. over really quick. That that crash was in October, and it took until January to submit an application yeah, not fix it. to plan to make the safety changes. Right. Uh, I heard from a listener who's in the industry, and he says the you wouldn't believe the bu- bureaucracy in, in the aviation world and how long it takes things to get done. And this is just case in point right here. You've got uh, a hundred. You've got you've got. 200 people dead. 346 total. Well, I mean, from October. Okay. From the October crash. And it's going to take you three months to put together a plan to put on an application to make the changes necessary. That's got to change. I mean, we, we talked about it, too. The day before that first crash, 
it took a third pilot that was sitting in the jump seat who knew how to override that system. The two guys sitting uh, in the, the important seats of that cockpit, they didn't know how to do it. It was the third guy jumps in and is able to override it. It was that same plane the following day that crashed because nobody in the cockpit knew how to override this. That day there should have been the, the day that the guy had to jump in. There should have been immediate action taken on these planes. Yeah, and the, the system for disabling this MCAS, this flight control system, is – I mean, it. I, I can't imagine what flying a 737 is like, period. You and I don't understand it. We don't get it. And as many people say, that's probably pretty simple. It's probably not. The means of disengaging the system is that pilots can reverse it by just flicking a switch. But that one flick of a switch to turn it off or whatever only delays things by several minutes. Now, that can be the difference between life and death because in several minutes you could be several thousand feet in the air instead of just one or two, which was the problem. These planes were crashed soon after takeoff. But in order to fully avoid a crash, you also have to activate two further switches to cut off electricity to the motor that pushes the plane's nose downwards, basically controls the jack screw in the back, and also crank a wheel that would correct the resulting problems. All of this, all of this is something that should never, ever have gotten into an airplane. They're in the process now. Boeing is working on the fix, the software fix. They're testing it out in the simulators. They know that this has got to be done. Along those lines, just a quick note, all of the 737 Maxes have been grounded. Except for the one that had to make an emergency landing in Orlando, (laughs) and we'll tell you about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. I do have to amend. I had said at one point that this was one of the greatest concerts I ever went to, just to see this guy play by himself for uh-huh. two and a half hours or whatever it was. Uh, this this one, Mumford and, Mumford and Sons, was an incredible show. And I think they're coming into town in June, maybe? I think my favorite still is Eagles at the Hollywood Bowl. That would be fun. Uh, they were incredible. Um, okay, so... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, it's important to appreciate good music, not just a bunch of guys with beards that play the banjo. There's one guy who plays the banjo. <laughs> we can both enjoy things without knocking it. Right, I suppose. Right? Not mutually exclusive here. Well, it looks like the president's desire to have a federal court strike down Obamacare is seen as a win for Democrats because with the whole nothing report that was the Bob Mueller report they were hurting for something and now they can focus on health care which they see as the reason they did so well in the midterms was that they focused on health care something that matters but isn't that weird the idea I know this happens in politics but the idea that they would celebrate the fact that thousands of people would lose their health insurance because it means that they would potentially pick up some voters for the uh, 2020 election. Well, they would try to protect it. I think right. that's what their whole deal would be, that uh-huh. they would protect hey, Obamacare. At least it's a something. It, like you said, the the Mueller report turned out to be a big uh, nothing and for them. So we were talking about the 737 MAX, and there was one that had to make an emergency landing. Yeah, the Southwest Airlines Boeing 737 MAX jet had to make an emergency landing in Orlando after some engine trouble. 
That's our Southwest 8701. We just lost our right engine. Needed to clear emergency. Well, we're leveling off here at 2000 runway heading with uh, engine failure on the right side. Listen, pilots are calm that all pilot, the time. That pilot's pissed off. But yeah. he's, yes, he's the, mad. The, first of all, this plane was just heading to Southern California for storage, so nobody was on it. But doesn't that suck to be the pilot that has to fly the last 737 MAX jet <laughs> across the country? Right. You're already a You're little You're already upset pissed off. Like, who, how does your name get called for that? <laughs> hey, Bob, um, we know that you're busy parking cars right now in downtown, or, downtown Orlando. Remember that 737 training you took a couple years back? You're going to need that because we need you to move the plane from here to there with zero people on board. And That's that the it, short straw. He gets, he gets 10 seconds in the air and just goes, right, right engine goes out. They didn't say why, and it landed fine, no problems. Uh, but this was <laughs> fly. What could be a broken plane across the country, Bob? Yeah, I mean, part of the reason I think he's probably so calm is he doesn't have 150 beefs on board, so um, you know he landed just fine. But but this is one of the things that the airlines have been doing. Southwest specifically has been pulling their 737 Max eight and nines out of service, and then just parking them in Victorville. Just getting them out in the desert so that um, they're out of the way. They're not sitting on a random airport tarmacs just taking up space. They're uh, they're getting them out of the way. It could be it could be months till these things are put back in service. And uh, you know, uh, one of the airlines. I don't know if it's Southwest or American. One of them was just canceling some flights for five days. I think it was on the on the hope that Boeing would have a fix downloadable within a few days. Oh. But I don't think that I think your your point is more true that it could be several weeks if not a couple of months before these things are back in the air. I haven't seen about Southwest flights being canceled. I have seen American canceling a bunch of flights. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. Um and then of course once they do that they're able to shuffle their planes around and they can, you know, at least try to get back to what would be a 100% schedule in terms of not missing any of these airplanes because there are, in terms of the size of the fleet, these are pretty small chunks of Southwest's fleet or America's uh, Americans' fleet, but it's still enough to cause disruptions for some for a lot of people. So, oh, there was a, an event I wanted to tell everybody about that's coming up on Sunday, and this is an event that is taking place in Thousand Oaks. If you know uh, Easton Sporting Goods, they have a uh, their headquarters are in Thousand Oaks or is in Thousand Oaks. And on this Sunday, March 31st, they have an invitation for first responders and their immediate families to go on out and have an Easton experience, they call it, and get special discounts on sports equipment. So if you're a firefighter, police department, some first responder, especially if you play, you guys have a softball team, baseball team, whatever it is, uh, Easton will be out there with incredible event for everybody. Again, 9 to 4 at the Easton headquarters on Willow Lane there in Thousand Oaks. They're going to honor Sergeant Ron Helis, of course, uh, who lost his life in the uh, shooting at the Borderline Bar and Grill. There's going to be a special presentation to his wife, Karen, at noon. Uh, Justin Hansinger concert will go from 11 to 1. Cronies will be there on site with Tri-Tip Barbecue for the first responders and their families as well. And Easton is giving out great deals for first responders and their families for any equipment that you need from uh, from Easton Sporting Goods. So we'll throw up the flyer so that you can check it out on our social media here in just a couple of minutes. But again, it's this Sunday, Easton, 
um, with the hashtag T.O. Strong is going to do a special event for first responders and their immediate families. So we'll tell you more about that as we get closer this weekend. Coming up next, how late were you to your own wedding? Do you remember? Were you late? Uh, no, I was there a couple hours I mean, early. your wife. No, Did your wedding so. start on time? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, 100%. It seems like that was a serious yeah, thing. That was a thing. For who? I think, I don't remember if it started on time. I know it wasn't like... When are we going to do this thing? It wasn't an hour and 47 minutes late. Oh, no, no. Like Is that how, long, how late you were? No, Denise Richards. Oh. <laughs> what you watching Wednesday when we come back. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills did not talk about the dog last night until the last minutes of the episode. And for that, I am eternally grateful. Thank you, Andy Cohen. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. Follow me into the door. Hey, round one voting continues for the 2019 baby animal bracket. We do have some winners from round one in our waterproof division as well as the furries division. Looks like baby sea turtle beat out baby crocodile, baby hippo beat out baby chameleon, baby harp seal beat out baby pufferfish, baby otter beat out baby salamander. That was an absolute S kicking. 95% to 5%. Per- Baby salamander only got 5%. Wow. And then... Uh, the baby poodoo over the lamb, the baby goat over the bunny. That was a tough one. Yes, that, In fact, was. that was close. That was a buzzer beater. Uh, baby skunk over baby fox. Busted that, my bracket right that there. Nuts? Blake had baby fox going all the way. Um, and then the baby deek deek. A lot of people... That's how you say it. Uh, the Had a lot of... Um, Shannon, what's the name of it support. again? The Dick Dick. Dick Dick. Wow. Dick Dick. Dick Dick. That's what we all said. Hey, it's time for What You Watching Wednesday. The following program is brought to you in living color. What you watching in there? Americans love television. They wean their kids on it. USA television much better. You've been watching too many of those live television shows. You know, I just clicked on the uh, Beaks and Wings and Wild Card Division, which are the next up to vote on. Yeah. And Rick Johnson's done a great job. He's got the pictures up, so you got side by side. And it, this is just not even fair. The, the baby platypus against the baby bat. Like, I kind of want to pick the baby bat just to... Just for the underdog? Yeah. It's all right. I'm doing it. It's all right. Well, you're doing it because that's how you filled out your bracket. Oh, no. I don't I don't go by oh, my really? bracket. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought you were trying to fix the I don't boat. cheat like you do. So did you watch The Real Housewives? No, I did not. Oh. Denise Richards had her wedding. I she, was so... She put it together in two days. She gets to this venue in Malibu. They live out in Malibu. And she gets to the, the venue. It's this beautiful house overlooking the Pacific. And she's talking to the, the guy who's in charge of the wedding planning and in charge of the venue. And she says, okay, well, we want to do it September 8th. And he says, September 8th, okay, next year. And she says, no, September 8th. Like two days from now. Two days from now. <laughs> and the look on this kid's face was just sheer terror. Like, it's Denise Richards. We want her to use this venue. How am I going to get this together in two days? Right. And Bravo has its camera crew in my office. There's that, too. So they had to make it happen. And it was beautiful. I mean, they they pulled it together. 
So you can pull off a wedding in two days. Denise Richards is my favorite thing about this season. She does not give one F. She does not give a crap about anything. There's no pretense whatsoever. Now, and this is her first season, right? Yes. Was she involved, like, even peripherally in the other ones? No. So she just came in. Does she, so does she know anybody from this? No. She got to know them. She knew, she knew Lisa Rinna. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, everyone loves her instantly because okay. there is no pretense. You know, she's just great. She's just so lovable and self-deprecating at times and totally open about the whole Charlie Sheen thing. They're st- you know, they share two kids. Right. Um, you know, there was this one moment in last night's episode when her daughter, who's 13 or I think they're 13 and 14, comes down the stairs as she's getting ready for the wedding. And she's in this beautiful little pink dress and she's got high heels on. And she says to her mom, I don't know how to walk in these. And, she, and Denise Richards says, we're going to have to figure it out. She says, can I wear my sneakers? And Denise Richards says, sure, I don't give an S. And so the kid got to wear her <laughs> sneakers to the wedding. And that kind of is just the way that she is. Uh, she's great. And. Also, she talks about her husband's genitals a lot. So it's funny. Is it? Yeah. I've never heard you say something funny about your husband's genitals. No, it's it's funny when she does it. Okay. Well, I'm just... (laughs) Is it funny because she's saying it or she's actually legitimately funny? She's obsessed with it. She talks about it quite a bit, which is funny. I mean, maybe not if you're (laughs) in the room. Okay, but if you had a girlfriend who was... Every time you guys got together, oh, it's disgusting. Like, oh, here's yeah. the next thing. No, I, I watch this for you. entertainment. Okay? okay, these aren't my friends. <laughs> it could be. Uh, I don't think so. No. Whenever, whenever my they wife, drink all the time. <laughs> whenever my wife watches the show, that will be. I mean, it, you know, it'll the forty minutes or whatever the full episode is. If you cut the commercials out, you fast forward through all the BS. You get to the fight at the end of the episode, and then the tease <laughs> for whatever's coming up next. And then she'll just stop it, and she'll turn and look at me, and she goes. They're such bees. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad out there. It makes you not want to have friends. Um, Game of Thrones coming up on April 14th. Yes. That is when we're going to see the season premiere for season eight, the final season. Did you know that the uh, the production company and HBO put thrones around the world? Have you heard this scavenger hunt that they no. did? It's actually pretty clever. The the Twitter account uh, for Game of Thrones first introduced the hunt back on the 18th and posted a a weird kind of a cryptic photo of just a big iron throne sitting in the woods somewhere. And it said, seek the weirwood in this kingdom on Earth. Begin your quest. Hashtag for the throne. And it followed that with a challenge. If you could be the first to track down this throne and we're going to put them all over the all over the world in different places. So the first hidden throne was found out in the middle of the Forest of Dean in Puzzlewood in Gloucestershire in the UK. And a couple of people, Alex and Tom from Oxford, the first to find these, this throne, that's a cool thing. They get their picture. We were the first to find this throne, etc. And then they get another one. The throne of joy was discovered in Spain. The throne of Valeria was tracked down in Brazil. The throne of ice was found in British Columbia, Canada. So there's the sixth throne somewhere. They have not yet given out clues to the location for the sixth throne. I'm guessing Hollywood Boulevard because then nobody will find it. Oh, maybe that's where the premiere is. San Francisco, they could pile it under a bunch of poop. Uh, but anyway, this is uh, it was very funny because I was at uh, dinner last night with the guys from uh, Chris and Mike Mitzos, the, the family that owns Mountain View Tire and Auto Service. 
Game of Thrones dominated a good 30 minutes of that conversation. Yeah, if you're into it, you're really into it. You're into it. it. And the thing is, you guys watch when uh, we were in Dubrovnik, which was where King's Landing apparently Mm -hmm. is is filmed. There were people that went to Croatia just to see Dubrovnik for the reason that that's where King's Landing was. Right. Like an international trip to see where a show is filmed. I thought I've done that. You went to Austin. Yeah. That's not international. <laughs> Texas is not a foreign land. Yeah, but people go to, well, like, New Zealand to see Lord of the Rings stuff or... Do they? Yeah, London to go see Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. People do it. We are such a horrible species. I haven't species. done it. It's just incredible. But... Hey, when we come back, our friend from down the hall, Matt Money Smith, is going to join us. So He's we're so be, famous. We're going to be talking about uh, a show that he is involved with that just debuted last week uh, that he does with Tim Tebow. <laughs> And Tim Tebow, Tim, it's tonight. I thought it, de- I thought yeah, it was it de- last de- week. No, it debuts tonight. Oh, even better. I thought it was last week. You better get your S together before Matt comes in here. You think know. we're that behind as producers? So you think? Wait a minute. I arranged for Matt to come in. Me- Actually, I walked in him. and Just I said, "Hey, him. we should get money." And Nick was like, "I think Shannon was thinking that." And I said, "Okay." I booked Matt last week for this. Yeah, you guys it's book, all shame Gary. You guys booked Tebow like they did last week. Who wants Tebow when you can have Matt? Well, the way he well, talked about Matt Money Smith. Matt it's... Money Smith. He is on it, dude. He's on it, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, Money's going to join us. Is Tim Tebow 13? He sounds like it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. From the back to the blue, the black back, you like that. Gary and Shannon just got uh, word out of London. Theresa May says... Oh, I love Brexit news. She she is going to quit. What? On the deal? She she said that she is prepared to leave the job earlier than she intended after they deliver some sort of a deal on Brexit. She's told the conservatives that she will step down. But there's no time specific on that, no time... Uh, given for when that deal is going to be done, but she says she'll be out of the office before it's uh, earlier than she expected. Well, LeBron James came to Los Angeles and everybody's face lit up in Laker Nation, but he did not deliver, did he? It's the Clippers that are putting on the show and heading into the playoffs. But LeBron did deliver on the business front. And we talked about it. That's the reason why he came to L.A. is to get into, you know, more business opportunities. LeBron James Incorporated. Is why he came here. And LeBron has a new show that's coming out tonight. And we just, because we're so well connected here, we just happen to know one of the superstars on the show. Matt Money Smith. Oh, that's me? Yes. Yeah, hey, that's me. You're Matt Money Smith. You're big time. You're very. I am, uh, I'm not big time. You... I am medium time. This is how big time Matt is. This is Tim is. Tebow's show. I'm just Tim a Tebow. little ancillary piece of it. Let me uh, just tell you how big time Matt Money Smith Please. is. So we're in Jacksonville. Oh, boy, with this again. <laughs> And we're at Top Golf, and the line to Top Golf is a uh, hundred and thirty-seven long. Everybody's at Top Golf; it's the only thing to do in Jacksonville. And we're at the end of the line, and all of a sudden, this guy comes from behind the counter, and That's, he says, "She's embellishing." Is, is, That's not true. Are you Matt Money Smith? That's not. And true. And he's like, "Yeah, I did what I and do." And he takes us, and he oh, he boy. takes our whole group, and right to the front of front of the line, and in the best you spot, cursed. the the best spot. On the on the top golf deck, yeah. did we get because of this guy? We did, but listen, that's not how it happened. That's that's a that's a, a bold faced lie. I 
like I am apt to do, said, I'm just going to go throw some money at this. And I walk, we were waiting in line. I walked to that, that desk where they were handing out reservations. And I said, hey, can I like buy a front of the line pass here or something like that? And the guy recognized me. That's all. Same thing. Not really. I mean, it's not like he saw my, he heard my voice and he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait a minute. You're on fantasy live on NFL network. I play fantasy football. It's in the middle of the football season. Don't sell yourself short, Matt. Whatever. Now we did get a sweet spot. I was going to say, and Shannon, Shannon did try to uh, pedal her wares as a golfer and she did pretty darn good. (laughs) Top, top the first, I don't know, hundred I've hit or the, so balls, but, there were but a after that, that, there were a couple connected. sweet <laughs> swings in there. I've hit the driving range since. And it's a good thing so. you wore heels, yeah, by the right. way. That's that was key. a smart move That's to top key. golf. You know what? I'm going to wear these shoes. Seriously? Out. They were the only shoes I had. Okay. That's a yeah. 100% lie. Back to the Million Dollar Mile yes. tonight, 9 p.m. CBS. Tim Tebow is the, let's say Tim Tebow is the tumbled marble tile. That you were going to put on the floor, right? Okay. I'm the grout. That's essentially how I can describe are you, are my you colored role. Colored grout? Are you sanded grout? Yeah, or is, okay. It's color match. Okay. You I'm hold color it all together. Grout. You yeah, hold it all together. I'm just filling in the cracks. You know, the people are out there busting their ass, competing. Tim Tebow's celebrating them, inspiring them. Let's be competitors. Let's go win a million dollars. What's the premise? Tell us. It's a really cool premise, and I think it's what separates it from a lot of these competition shows. A million dollars, life changing money, and a lot of the people they come on, you get their backstory. Um, some, you know, there's a guy who was homeless. Uh, who was a former football gotta player? Got a homeless guy, and so you got that going. You've got a you got people that want to start charities, women that were in abusive relationships that oh found sports and competition to work themselves out of that. To like have that, that Jennifer Lopez movie, all of those things, right? And this is money that can. What was the Jennifer Lopez movie? Enough, double double I jeopardy. Think. Uh, She's it, getting hit by her. Oh, enough. That, yeah, no. enough. I do know the worst film I ever saw. In the theater was Love Crime, starring Eric Roberts. So much so that we started a revolt. And everybody left about an hour in and demanded our money at the box really? office. Really? And we got it. That is on fantastic. On Third Street Promenade. Love crime. Yes, there were like eight people in it. Uh, anyway, um, so you start this race. You get a two-minute head start on what we call a defender. These are professional athletes. That looks like an X-rated film, Matt. Love crimes with Eric Roberts? Look at this woman. She's disrobed. Well, it's love crimes. You're going to commit a crime of love. There's probably going to be nudity. I hate to break it to you, Shannon. <laughs> so many of these things work. You're not just sneaking a smooch, okay? The uh, the contestant gets a two-minute start. You got to go through five obstacles. Each of them are separated by a fifth of a mile, hence the million-dollar mile. You have to run a mile while stopping along the way each two-tenths of a mile to complete one of these pretty damn tough obstacles. The defenders are like professional obstacle course racers. This is a big oh, thing, apparently. These Spartan races. Sure. And all, there are professionals tough that compete. Mutters, tough mutters, like that. They compete in these things. So we have 10 of these professional obstacle obstacle course racers that are going to chase your ass down and try to prevent you from winning anything. So they uh, drag them down by the back of their no, neck? Or just got to just... pass you. Just got to pass oh, you okay. and, you know, press a button and you complete the obstacle before the contestant. But you can leave the course at any time with the money that you have. Uh, so you don't have to win a million dollars or nothing. You can win ten grand. You can win twenty five grand. It's a lot of money. You can yeah. win fifty grand, and all you got to do to keep the money is get out of the course before the person that's chasing you. And that just entails climbing a fifteen story building on a rope and then ziplining down to Tim Tebow and like <laughs> giving him a high five. I can't wait to watch this. What are you wearing? Are you wearing active wear? I am in a. Uh, what am I in? I'm in like a zip up. 
probably uh, like running jacket, leisure. like a running jacket right. with the million dollar mile logo over my left nipple. You know, I always thought you were a smart guy, and Not really. uh, well. and then and then you got to know me better <laughs> and, and realize I'm just to, full of ass. Well, then I got to know that you went to go see Love Crimes in 1992. Yeah. Here's the plot. Just stay with me, real right. quick. And again, Eric Roberts, right? Uh, Eric Roberts. Assistant District Attorney conspires with a police lieutenant to go after a serial sexual predator who identifies himself to his victims as David Hanover. The woman goes undercover, changing her appearance, passing herself off as a repressed school teacher. Mm-hmm. She encounters Hanover, who seduces her, photographs her nude, and flashbacks to her troubled childhood are peppered into the movie, including abuse from a father who locked her in a closet. Right about there is when someone in the theater just yelled, Boo! <laughs> and we all went, Yeah! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> And everyone just started talking while the movie was going on. What are we doing here? It was a, it was a great illustration of the economic principle of of sunk cost versus opportunity cost. I'm sunk nine dollars, but the opportunity cost is my time. Right. What, what is my time worth to not sit here for the next forty to see how this thing ends? And it all worked out. We got our sunk cost back. My opportunity cost was going across the street to Chillers and drinking some of them sweet alcohol-infused Slurpees. Mm. It was great. Nine o'clock tonight, Million Dollar Mile. Matt Money Smith stars. Tim Tebow has a little bit of a part. He's and the star. It's all brought to you by LeBron. Yeah. Matt, thank he, you. He sent you, by the way. When I heard his interview that you guys did with him. Uh, He's a great guy. He, is he really that You know what the great? thing You know me and, and kind of how we all do it. You guys do it the same here. You're just constantly throwing shade at everybody yeah. and trading bars. <laughs> Makes us feel better about ourselves. And, and you never know how that's going to go over. He was great. Like any time I made a pseudo-intelligent reference, pop culture, literary, whatever it might be, he was the first to be like, yeah, whatever. I was homeschooled. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just gonna, just give me a give me a plastic helmet. I'll go run into something. I'm out of this conversation. He was really great about being self deprecating and had humility and was throwing still farts a, as still well. Still a virgin too. Like uh, yeah, he's getting married. I like, think later this summer. Yeah. Are you going? I don't know. I don't think so though. Well, mm-hmm. I think it's a professional relationship. Shannon didn't invite like, me to yeah, the wedding. Well, either, it's so. like us and Shannon. Yeah. Now you wouldn't. Now you wouldn't invite me either. I was married 20 years ago. I invited you to my wedding, FYI. Again. It was the second wave of invitations, See, but you were invited. Oh, it just was it a destination lost. wedding? No, it's, I mean, well, yeah, we had to go somewhere. You go to San I mean. Francisco, but yeah. it wasn't. That's the greatest thing I ever. Oh, drive. I invited you. You just decided not to yeah. come. Well, yeah, I didn't come because it was in San Francisco. You just head on that five. Whatever. Take the 101 if you want some scenes. Whatever, man. Jeez. Thanks, Matt. That's it? I'm done? That's it. You're done. All right. Wrapping you up. 9 p.m. CBS. Hit the thing, Blake. 9 p.m. CBS. Shannon, we followed the kidnapping and rescue of Jamie Kloss, bless you, the 13-year-old girl who was kidnapped from her home after her abductor shot and killed both of her parents, basically in front of her, and she was kept under a bed for three months in rural Wisconsin. We told you last week uh, there was a reporter there who did an interview with the murderer slash kidnapper, and he talked about how he loved her and how... He was sorry for the whole thing. Anyway, he just pleaded guilty to kidnapping her and killing her parents. Good. So no trial there. She won't have to go through that. Uh, the update on that Jussie Smollett case, uh, very interesting because the Chicago Tribune came out and said that the reversal from prosecutors yesterday, the announcement that they were going to drop charges against Jussie Smollett, they called it indefensible. 
and the we mentioned it yesterday. The Fraternal Order of Police has called for an investigation into the prosecutor's decision to drop the charges. And the police department has released some of the files of their investigation because, again, the the chief or I should say the uh, commissioner of the police department and the mayor came out and were just apoplectic yesterday that this was not going to go to trial. So that was uh, we'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. The University of San Diego, UCLA, and USC, among eight universities that have been notified that they are now under investigation by the Department of Education. This is all in connection with that college admissions scandal. They are looking into whether the laws, excuse me, whether the schools violated the laws governing the federal student financial aid programs or other laws. If violations are found by the by, the schools could be penalized by not having access to the Pell Grants, uh, federal student loans would be cut off. Yeah, one of the things uh, that the universities, as part of the investigation, these universities have been ordered to provide a list of names of any of the or all of the students whose admission was brought up in this investigation. And that's interesting in that there's still some decision, and I believe it's going to be school by school, about what to do with the students who may have been admitted under these uh, less than honest circumstances. Because the only one I know of that was released, I think it was a student at Yale who said that they rescinded the admission of a student who was uh, known to have a connection to all of this. Yeah, that's the only one so far. I mean, Lori Lachlan's daughters, uh, Olivia, who's a freshman, and Isabella is a sophomore, and they're apparently still at USC. Well, yes, Although we had this discussion, um, producer Nick was was saying, listen, if I found out my parents did this to get me into insert name of school here, I'm not going back. I'm I'm going to get bullied. It's going to be embarrassing. It's, you know, no one's going to believe that I have the ability to be here. And listen, Olivia Jade and Isabella have already shown, uh, man, try to be nice here. They've They've already shown a... Lack of desire to be USC students. Well, you know, she applied for trademark for some of her products, and it got rejected because of spelling and grammar errors. I rest my case. Oh, that's great. <laughs> and by the way, the other the thing about um, uh, Massimo Giannulli, their father, who was really excited about them going to USC because, and I'm going to read to you a letter, um, I have some concerns and want to fully understand the game plan, make sure we have a roadmap for success as it relates to our daughter and getting into her, getting her into a school other than ASU. Again, I think Arizona State is missing out on a gigantic marketing opportunity here to poke their finger in the chest of the Janouli Lachlan family and say, we wouldn't want your your offspring anyway. That's They could, but they're not going to. Um, remember, it was uh, it was the... Lachlan girls who were were held up as the coxswains of the rowing team, and that's how they were going to get in. So the senior associate athletic director, Donna Heinel, also charged in this scheme, had to go to court because uh, she was willing to accept the picture of Olivia Jade sitting on a rowing machine as proof that she was the coxswain for the L.A. Marina. Isn't the coxswain an important role, too? In a yes, so they were just going it's like the for the captain it. of the team. Yeah, it's they're like going the quarterback for it. of the crew. Wow, not just the kicker or the long snapper. Oh God, 
I mean, and which are two very specialized positions. Very, but uh, there's no room for a long snapper on one of those little skulls. Right. All right. Coming up next, have you heard of Receipt Man? We are a broken, broken place. We're picking up speed. I, I think it's what we're, what we're doing here. We are picking up speed. Gary and Shannon will continue with uh, the story of who is Receipt Man. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. The FAA is talking to senators today on Capitol Hill about how it's going to fix itself and maybe actually start providing some oversight on airlines and not allowing airlines to police themselves. This is, of course, fallout from the Boeing 737 MAX plane debacle. If there's a uh, a hole in your heart, the shape of a Brexit story, I've got one for you. Um, Prime Minister Theresa May has told Conservative Party lawmakers that she will quit. She'll step down as Prime Minister once they have left the European Union, although she hasn't set a date. They are still working on trying to come up with a specific deal to leave the EU. Um, they were due to leave, uh, what would it be, Friday? But they got a delay after the uh, the deal with the EU was rejected overwhelmingly by lawmakers on a couple of different occasions. So she's taking this as a signal that once they get a deal, she knows that uh, her days would have been numbered anyway. So she says she'll step down. They're calling it the Brexit divorce deal. Yeah. You know Phil Ting, don't you? Phil Ting. Oh, the assemblyman out of San Francisco? That is the Phil Ting. Phil Ting is a guy who is uh, suggesting that we outlaw long receipts. Have you been to a CVS or you, a, a Rite Aid? And that's exactly the the ones that have apparently... Or the post office. The post office? Post office also does long receipts. I didn't... Oh, I never saw that. I don't remember the last time I was in a post office. I was just going to say, you haven't probably anything. been in a post office in a while. Glossy paper receipts that are uh, trashed before you even leave the store would be would become something of the past. There's a new state law, of course, that requires the plastic straws be given in restaurants only upon your request. But a bill would require businesses to provide electronic receipts by default unless a customer asks for a paper one. Bill Ting says that his bill is an easy way to reduce paper waste in the state while addressing consumer frustrations with excessively long receipts. I have a question. Yes, you, the redhead. When you are at the door and you're leaving either the post office or a CVS or a Rite Aid and you realize you purchased two items and your receipt is four or five feet long. Is the first reaction in your mind, you know what? I got to call my state assembly member and tell them that this shall not go forth. No, my first thought is, ooh, $2 off moisturizer. I'll keep that one. Some of those coupons are for stuff that you already buy. You know, they're helpful. Right. It makes sense. They know who you are. Or they even the stuff that you just bought, they know it's an expendable thing. So you're going to run out of moisturizer soon, and you're going to need some more moisturizer. So you might as well get a coupon for it. Well, Phil Ting, Phil Ting has been trotting around 
receipt man every time he talks about his bill, which is Assembly Bill 161. He has a staffer wear a receipt around his head, a gigantic human-sized receipt. By the way, uh, the, the Phil Ting is my height, it looks like, and Receipt Man <laughs> towers wait, wait. over him. Are you wearing heels or not? Not. Okay. Just to, I'm just looking for... This tiny guy. Yeah. Cute little guy. You could hold him in your hand like a squirrel. You know, I, I kind of get it. It is wasteful, isn't it? When you have receipts that you're just going to get rid of. Like, when I go to the Ralph's for groceries... And they give me a receipt. What am I going to do with that? Yeah. I don't care how much those people. I always say cost. I, don't, I don't need the receipt. Yeah, but they're printing it out and then they have to throw it out for you. Fine. Oh, so you're that guy that makes the cashier throw out your receipt? Yes. I'm beginning to understand your reputation around here. Now, now you know why everybody thinks I'm a giant D. Uh, it's because I make that person throw away the, the receipt. Wait, hey, That's that why. Too. If you, uh, if you, hadn't heard us talking about it before at least once a week somebody around here thinks that gary is a a d <laughs> and it's just because he's he's kind of uh nonverbal sometimes he's the stoic silent he, type stoic silent type exactly and and that apparently to to really the majority of people who come in contact with him means that listen if you're an enneagram person i'm a nine I I have a lot of conversations in my head before they come out. Which I just smart. want to make sure I yeah. say the right things because that's the antithesis all, of me. Exactly. Yeah. We've all seen <laughs> what happens when you just start blurting out words. Yep. And, well, uh, you kind of did that at the beginning of the show. Well, maybe, but I also got in trouble for it. So, mm-hmm. so this idea is that Skip the Slip is exactly who this guy was identified as when Phil Ting would do these long receipt anti anti-long receipt assembly bill press conferences. And Will Pond is an outreach consultant for the Assembly's Democratic Office of Communications and Outreach. And he doesn't like Skip the Slip. He prefers hashtag receipt guy, although hashtag receipt man is also uh, trending, I guess, maybe. When Phil Ting rolled out Assembly Bill 161, Skip the slip, hashtag receipt guy, hashtag receipt man, Will Pond threw away any dignity he had mm. and wore this thing around his neck. That's a tough, uh, that's a tough go. And I would say that in 2019 is grounds for some sort of complaint against the assembly person. You know, I had to wear a human sized paper receipt around my neck at press conferences. For Can you six imagine months. if it caused paper cuts? <laughs> Tiny little paper cuts around his neck. Big paper cuts. Um, Now, Will Pond is not making himself available for interviews with the media. I just found him on Twitter, and uh, he he doesn't have much of a presence. Well, listen, if his claim to fame is that he wears a seven-foot-tall receipt. Well, I just didn't know he was... I do the, the kind of guy who says I do not do interviews. Like I'm better than that. Um, the uh, the communications director for Assemblyman Ting is Nanette Miranda, and she says that she came up with the idea along with legislative aide Jessica Duong, and they came up with it after feeling overshadowed one too many times by those super long receipts. And she said, "I'm five and a half feet." 
and sometimes it's taller than me. No, it's not. Do you really feel no. overshadowed? No, it's not, Nanette. By a receipt. I feel overshadowed by her. You know what? She's offended by the receipt. Yeah. And in 2019, you've got to be offended to matter. If you're not outraged by long receipts, Quick gas who go are around. you? Quick gas go around, Quick Blake. Quick gas go around. Let's do this. I've done this Let's in a couple of weeks. This. What is offensive to you, everybody? It's Be Offended Wednesday. Blake, what are you offended by? Um, I was offended by the guy who got mad at me at a roundabout yesterday because he didn't think I yielded fast enough. He mm. thought I should have. You should be outraged. Did you feel hurt? Did you feel overshadowed? Uh, yeah, totally Excellent. overshadowed. Isabella. Like, I'm offended when people lie. Like, huh. I know they're lying, mm-hmm. and they just keep going with the lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We like you, too. Like Jesse Smollett. That Ooh. really gets me going. She's outraged. Yeah. I smell outrage. Jonathan, what offends you? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> um, you got to be offended by something in 2019. <laughs> you can think about it. Wait, can I be offended by it. all roundabouts? No. The, oh, You're I done. like roundabouts, first of all. Roundabouts are stupid. Nick? I'm offended by that. All right. uh, there was, a, there was a, a stench in the elevator this morning that I was offended oh, by. Okay. <laughs> okay. Monica, what offends you? Crocs. Good one. Oh, my gosh, you took mine. Totally Crocs. Oh, I have a good one. Okay. My smelly roommates, that's pretty irritating. Oh. That's offensive. You got to oh. talk to them about really that. I have seven roommates. So. Seven wow. roommates? Yeah. Do they all smell? Do you live in a gymnasium? Uh, no, no. It's a big house, though. <laughs> wow. That's a lot. Not big enough. I'm offended by this hangnail on my fourth finger. I'm offended that Baby Skunk beat Baby Fox and right? ended Blake's no, 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 no. bracket hopes and dreams. Mm. The skunk had to win. Outrage. Why? People think people are going to pick the skunk over the fox. The skunk is more interesting. You know who could save us all from this? Yeah. Keanu Reeves. He could save us all. He's saving lives. We'll talk about how Keanu Reeves is. Wait, what offends you, Gary? The the hangnail on my fourth finger. Ah. It's annoying. That's gross. All right. And outrageous. That's like one of Jonathan's roommates. Something smells in here. We're on to something here. Nicholas wrote to us on Facebook, I'm offended by drinking water loud. Kate's texted, I'm offended by people who think paper straws are a good alternative to plastic straws. I'm offended that America does more than any other country to recycle and stop pollution, yet I have to drink out of a soggy effing paper straw. Yeah, the only answer to that is you got to drink faster. You got to bring your own straws. Or bring your own straws. My I daughter. I think Carol, Carol's, uh, uh, you know, our friend Carol. Yeah. That we would drink beer with. Yep. She stockpiled a closet with plastic straws. Uh, I do have some that we have left in the closet that we don't use on a regular basis. But my daughter also bought metal straws that she keeps in the drawer. Doesn't that hurt her teeth? Generally, she doesn't chew on. Yeah, them. you're not supposed to chew on it, Monica. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing? I don't know how you're living your life, but chewing plastic straws. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So let us know what you're offended by. At the uh, top of the hour, we'll get into what's trending. We have an update on what's going on with the Jussie Smollett case. Everybody in Chicago is pissed off except Jussie Smollett and his attorneys. Everybody else is angry about that whole thing. Um, in the uh, in the one o'clock hour, I don't know if you saw this Twitter fight between Megan McCain and I guess a friend of hers. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. 
But we'll talk about this whole thing and the, the whole if you haven't seen this hashtag yet or people using the line, you were at my wedding, Denise. <laughs> that's basically the punchline, but the lead up to it is pretty good as well. And it's not a housewife joke. No, it's not. I thought it was. When Shannon sent it to me last night originally, I thought I had my <laughs> had my wife uh translate and we came up with we think it has something to do with the real housewives, and it doesn't. Well, Keanu Reeves, he plays a hero in all those movies, doesn't FBI. he? FBI Yes. That's such a great movie. I'm telling you, Point Break. Point Break is one of the best movies the original. ever. The original Point Break. Oh, he was so good in Speed, too. No, he was terrible in that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I loved him in that. By the way, they're making a new Bill and Ted's. Just saying. Keanu Reeves is one of those movie stars that people don't really have a lot of experience with in that he's not a guy that you see in Malibu or in the Palisades or, or at a walking. Lakers game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just a private guy. He's and, 54. Yeah. Um, he was on a United flight Saturday, a uh, flight from San Francisco to Los Angeles. And the flight, unfortunately, had to make an emergency landing in Bakersfield. And apparently, Keanu Reeves took the lead in helping the passengers get to their destination quickly. I love that. Because... Keanu Reeves could have easily just walked to the terminal, walked to the uh, gate and said, I'm Keanu Reeves. I work with the FBI. FBI. And you need to get me to Los Angeles as quickly as possible. Somebody chronicled it on their Instagram story. And in it, Reeves is shown calmly speaking to an airline representative and leading a discussion with a group of passengers about the most efficient way to get to Burbank quickly. (laughs) He says, the people who can unload the bags won't be here for three hours. The vans will be here in an hour. Before explaining that it would be much easier to leave and worry about the luggage later. They have video. They have pictures of him. He's just wearing a red baseball cap, talking about the logistics of this whole thing, what they can do about their luggage. Another one shows him in a van with the other passengers, entertaining them by telling them about facts about Bakersfield. Fun facts about Burbank. Uh, it, he says, Bakersfield, it's the ninth most populous city in California and the 52nd most populous in the nation. He played some music on his iPhone, revealed that he had some water, a banana, and Gatorade and was willing to share with people. What a guy. That's fantastic. You're right, though. I mean, when's the last time you've seen Keanu Reeves in the wild? The stories about Keanu Reeves... Um, are compiled in lists that come with headlines like proof that Keanu Reeves is basically the nicest human being ever. I don't know <laughs> if I'd go that far. Uh, he took pay cuts, apparently, so that more independent projects could get made or could afford to hire certain actors. He's been known to give money to crew members who are struggling financially. He donates generously to chill- to charity. There are reports that he's been nice to homeless people, given up a seat on a subway, um, hanging out backstage with Dolly Parton, and once drove a stranded motorist fifty miles out of his way so she could go get help. Did you know that Bakersfield has sixty, or excuse me, fifty-four city parks? That sounds beautiful. Did you know that Bakersfield, the Bakersfield Sound, has been credited to long-term resident Merle Haggard? And Buck Owens. Buck Owens. I knew the Buck Owens one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know Merle Haggard. Did you know that much of the downtown area of Bakersfield was damaged and most of the historic buildings were destroyed in 1952 after a massive earthquake and its aftershock? Did not know that either. Did you know that the two largest carrot-producing farms in the world are located in Bakersfield? 
Did you know that Sam Lynn Ballpark in Bakersfield is the only baseball stadium in the United States that faces west? Why would they do that? Bakersfield is chock full of fun nuggets. But wait a minute. Let's go back to the baseball field facing west. Why would they do that? Uh, I could look it up for you. Well, because the sun is going to be in the eyes of the batter at that point. Facing west in a night game, evening game, sunset game. I I didn't know those things about Bakersfield, but you know who did? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. We'll come back. We'll talk about Sam why. Sam Lynn Ballpark. And who was Sam Lynn? Maybe uh, it has something to do with Sam. Famous Bakersfield ball player. Maybe he was blind, and so it didn't matter. Ball player? When we come back, we had a, a nice announcement over the weekend that one of our uh, uh, one of our compatriots here got engaged. And then we found something called a placeholder engagement ring. We'll talk about that when we come back to the Listen Gary and Shannon to this. Show. Well, I'll tell you more about the ballpark when we come back Tell as well. me more. Yeah. Hey, Bobby Bones here. And recently I've been talking a lot about first responders. The people on the front lines deserve our thanks. If you want to show them that you appreciate them, do it with a gift card or by making a contribution to first responder organization, Team Rubicon, at giftcards.com slash thanks. Everybody loves gift cards, and now you can send one without ever leaving your home. It's time we celebrate the people taking care of us, first responders, at giftcards.com slash thanks. Monica. Got some answers. All right, I've done a deep dive on Sam Lynn Ballpark in Bakersfield. You know who plays there right now? Yes, the Bakersfield Train Robbers. Which is not a horrible mascot. The Train Robbers, by the way, started playing there when the Dodgers relocated their California League affiliate. The Train Robbers were previously based in Vegas, New Mexico, and Topeka, Kansas. Those guys get around. So the the ballpark faces west into the setting sun, and you would say, why would you do that? Why would you do that? The eyes, the, the sun is right in the batter's eye. Well, according to a, an article that appeared in the town's newspaper, the Bakersfield Californian, back on December 4th, 1940, the article was about the preliminary work of grading and planting grass seed for the ballpark. And in that era, in the 1940s, Games across the country were usually scheduled for 8 or 8.15. Oh, wow. So So it didn't didn't really matter. The last day game played at Sam Lynn Ballpark was July 3rd, 1996, and it lasted three minutes. So they only play night games there. (laughs) Their start's 7.58. I'd never heard of this, this, uh, this league before, the Pecos League, that the Bakersfield train robbers are in. How many T-shirts have you ordered during the break? Not a lot. Uh, the Alpine Cowboys play in Texas. The California City Whiptails. Ooh, the Whiptails. The Garden City Wind in Garden City, Kansas. Whiptails. High Desert Yardbirds, Monterey Amberjacks, Roswell Invaders, Santa Fe Fuego, Trinidad Triggers, Tucson Saguaros, Wasco Reserves, and the White Sands Pupfish. The Whiptail is a reptile. Yep. A lizard. Yep. All right. Well, that was fun. <laughs> 
but now we know. Coming up uh, after Monica's news at the top of the hour, we will talk trending. Every story everyone's talking about everywhere. We'll bring them to you, get you caught up to speed. But apparently placeholder engagement rings are on the rise. Okay. First of all, I'm going to say this repeatedly through the segment here. It's not the ring. So, I'm saying that to you. I'm saying that to to anybody who wants to get engaged or has been engaged. It's not about the ring. It's not the ring. Mm-hmm. That's not why you do it. No, but it is a tradition. And what they're doing now, jewelers are offering people placeholder rings like cubic zirconia. So you propose with that ring. And then once the proposal is done, then the two of you go back to the jeweler and pick out the ring that she wants. Now, I always found it so distasteful. The whole Which ring shopping, uh, the couples ring shopping together. Before the engagement? Yes. Yeah. That's just, to me, that's silly. And I, I mean, I know it's done all the time now, but I just found it to be distasteful. I, I don't, don't even, I'm trying to remember. My wife would remember and she'll text me and tell me I'm wrong. But the, I don't think we ever went into a jewelry store and said, hey, let's look at engagement rings. But when you're dating after a certain amount of time and you get into a jewelry store for any reason, that's kind of what is the underlying theme of your visit, perhaps, is I like that. I don't like that. Right. That's too gaudy. That's too thin. Whatever. Right. I didn't ask her what she wanted when I bought an engagement ring. I just bought an engagement ring. And then what happened? And then I said, well, if we want to change it, we can change it. I don't, I mean, to me, it's not the ring. That's right. not, I'm, it's not my, I didn't have my heart set on that beautiful princess cut diamond on a 24 karat with the, uh, and the, ooh, none of that stuff. It was that I knew that that was, I mean, I, I wanted to do the traditional route of here's a here's the ring uh-huh. and I want to do it, but I, I don't mind if we go get something else. And then, so did she keep it or? You get no, something? we got something else. Oh, really? She yeah. didn't like it? I don't know. She, was it pear-shaped? It was The thing is, then we could choose it together. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was heart-shaped. She hated the princess cut. She wanted the <laughs> pear-shaped diamond. Um, but the, these companies that are doing this are actually putting out their Hellsberg diamonds, for example, has a will-you ring. It's a $50 size 7 band, and it says, this is a ring not the ring. It takes the pressure off of selecting the perfect ring, right. you see. And then for some couples who can't afford the perfect ring right now, she can sport the cubic zirconia for a couple of years till you make more money. She actually, there was a funny time when we went to Disneyland when we were engaged but not yet married. And she said, why do I always have to wear the engagement ring? Why don't you have to wear an engagement ring? So we went to one of the shops in Disneyland uh, right outside the Jungle Cruise and bought one of those... Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it was a little black, metallic-looking ring. Uh-huh. It's actually a stone, but it, but it, and I wore a ring for, I think, two months before I broke it, <laughs> and then the marriage is now twenty-one years. So that's good. If I got that ring that said this is this is not the ring, it's not. Uh, no, it says this is a ring, not the ring. Yeah, I'd say no. Really? What? You, How ridiculous is that? Like, you are obviously not prepared. Well, he wants to make sure that it's uh, you have a ring that you love. So you would go pick it out then after that. Mm-mm. Really? You want a guy to just magically know exactly what you want. What? You just slammed couple ring shopping. My wife has <laughs> chimed in. I didn't see. Oh, I just saw. <laughs> I started too early. I was reading about the Airbnb. Oh. 
I specifically asked you if I could pick out my own ring, and you did not listen. Whoa. Wow. You guys, I got to go. Wow. Well, as Gary says, it's not about the ring, right? It's Par- not about the pasta. <laughs> Apparently it is. Yeah, oh. it is. It's With engagements, it's all, I mean. Hey, Jonathan, never, do you have an extra bedroom in your house full of seven men that Gary can use? <laughs> yeah, because I'm starting to pit out through this shirt right now, so I'm going to start smelling up here in a second. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Uh, we'll talk trending when we come back. It's like uh, H-Town bump and grind. I didn't even know what that meant. What does that mean? I had no idea. But it didn't stop me from singing my little heart out. So was there a point where you just, where you sang it out loud and re, it like had that eye-opening moment like, oh my gosh, would I do what in a theater? Would she do what? Right. I was, you know, it was probably a couple years ago when I revisited the album and I realized what she was singing about. <laughs> I had no idea what that meant. Uh, Tub Thumping by Chubba... Chumbawamba? Is that who it was? Chumbawamba? Oh, yeah. Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. That's yours. That was a song that when I when I heard it the first time, I thought, that's very catchy. I cannot <laughs> wait to get home and uh, play that on the sound system in my 1985 Mazda 626. Yeah. And then I did. And then I heard it again maybe 10 years later and thought, was I drunk? <laughs> I must have been. At one point. Monica, do you a have cool a, song. a song that you loved as a youth and then grew up and said, what the hell was I thinking? As a youth. Oh, probably the Macarena. The Macarena. Oh, God. Or, or uh, what's the, um, oh, Mamba Number 5 was oh, also one. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Uh, a little bit of Monica in my life. Yeah, I mean, that's the only line I like. John uh, says that he had the entire album Europop by Eiffel 65 because he <laughs> liked that blue da da be ba la 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 yeah. Nailed it. Thank you. Uh, remember back when you had to buy the whole album just to enjoy one song? Good old days. What a racket. Swamp Watch. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to get into uh, stuff that's going on in Washington, D.C., including the story about uh, the FAA and the NTSB, et cetera, going before the Senate subcommittee. But um, we'll tell you what's trending as well. Time for What's Happening. Well, Boeing says that it's got the 737 MAX fixes uh, ready to go. The planes are safer. They said the changes will improve the safety of the aircraft, which, of course, has been involved in those two crashes, one in Africa, one in Indonesia. A Boeing vice president said in previewing these changes to the pilots, we're working with customers and regulators around the world to restore faith in our industry and also reaffirm our commitment to safety and to uh, earning the trust for the flying public. They are going to put those sensors in, the sensors that used to be add-ons for about 80 grand extra. They are going to include both of those sensors now on their planes, and it will be standard, not part of the add-on menu. Yeah, they said they're going to be adding that indicator to flight control displays so the pilots can be aware when the angle of attack sensors disagree. Uh, also, enhanced training required for all 737 pilots so they know how this system works, this MCAS, Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, and how to turn it off. 
Well, Chicago police are talking about the file they have on Jesse Smollett, and it does include security footage taken from inside his apartment block. Uh, They've got clips showing him in his car with one of the two men who allegedly uh, attacked him in Chicago. He completed 16 hours of community service and paid 10 grand and then turned around and told all of us that the charges were dropped because, well, he was exonerated. He was innocent. Listen, Jesse Smollett may not know much, but he knows this. A not guilty person does not complete community service and pay $10,000. That's what a guilty person does. Yeah, and If, if he rem- was not guilty in all of it, he would have fought like hell to avoid doing those things. The lawyer yesterday said something like, well, you know, we uh, we decided to forfeit the bond because we just don't want to drag this out. Baloney. You got lucky. You got like whatever strings were pulled, whether it was Kim Fox, the, the state attorney there for Cook County, who was able to get this thing thrown out, whatever it was. You got lucky that that guy did not go to court, especially considering the in the evidence. And again, we're just getting a glimpse of what the police file is on on Jussie Smollett. But almost all of it is so damning against him that it, it just makes him look horrible. I don't know who's jumping to this guy's defense, by the way, because even in saying that they're not going to prosecute. The first assistant state attorney said he believed Jussie Smollett is guilty of staging that attack. L.A. County has expanded its smoking ban to vaping and smoking pot in public. So there you go. You're not going to be able to smoke the weed or the vape pens, beach parking lots, bus stops, outdoor bars. Those who violate the ordinance cannot be ticketed, however. My Aunt Betty... You can't smoke the weed. He sounded a little bit like uh, Bill Cosby there. <laughs> can't smoke the reefer. Can't t- toke the kids in their the gr- grass. The greenery. Puff the magic dragon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Mike Pence is talking space force once again. He <laughs> says that it is the stated mission of the Trump administration. To return Americans to the moon by any means necessary. They just want the optics. They just want the like the the photo. They're like the kids going to the field of poppies for the gram. Like they just want the picture of the astronauts on the moon. Like there's really no reason to go. Uh, he says if NASA can't put astronauts on the moon, then we need to change the organization, not the mission. And said, listen, NASA, you get your act together. We'll find somebody else who will. You know what I mean, though? They just want yeah. that picture to say, Trump brought us back to the moon. Anyway. Isabella's music mistake involved a lot of Justin Bieber. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Justin Bieber's never a mistake, Isabella. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, it is. When I was 15, that was that was my thing. Because the Jonas Brothers broke up, so I needed a new JB in my life. Mm. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was wow. bad. Yeah, I'm very embarrassed oh about God. it. <laughs> But, hey, listen, recognition is going to be the so first step out of your where home. Where were you yesterday, Isabella, yesterday evening? Do you have an alibi? I because at, Oh, I know where we're going with this. Yeah, there was a drunk girl who broke into Justin Bieber's room at a Laguna Beach hotel. So I was in the OC, but I was at <gasps> Disneyland. That's not that sure. far. Yeah. Sure, sure you were. Yeah. She had been drinking a lot. What? According to the sergeant. She's in a hotel room with three friends at Mon- Montage Laguna Beach. I've, I don't know if I've heard that one. Five-star resort, though. The staff eventually asked the whole group to leave. 
Um, she came back for some unknown reason to go back to the room where she'd been staying, but she inadvertently walked into Justin Bieber's room, and his response was basically, who are you? Get out of here. Why was she arrested then? It was a, it was a mistake. Isabella didn't mean to go into his room. She was just wasted. Yeah, because I get wasted a lot. Yeah. So, but hold on. Let me ask this question. So she had no idea that it was Justin Bieber's room. No. Why he, are you arrested over He that? was waiting for room service, so the door was unlocked. So, and she just walks in. What's the problem? So, now, she's so drunk that her friends are going to go, remember that time we were in Laguna Beach, totally partying, and you totally walked into Justin Bieber's room? And she's going to go, no, I was hammered. Well, she she will remember it because she was arrested over this. I guess so. I mean, she was ridiculous. Remember that time you woke up in jail because you walked into Justin Bieber's room? It's unfortunate. Fat Burger's changing its name. Like if it was anybody else's room, she wouldn't be arrested over it. What Again, why Justin Bieber is a mistake. Fat Burger says it's going to rebrand the company as Skinny Burger. That sounds like a real big mistake. Henceforth, Skinny Burger, the last great hamburger Who stand. Who wants a hamburger... That is good for them. Like, who wants a skinny burger? I understand a a skinny margarita. Uh Uh-huh. I get that. But who wants to skinny up a perfectly good hamburger? I hadn't heard about protein style until I moved to California. It's when you take away the bun and wrap the burger in lettuce. Right. And they're saying saying skinny burger is a low-carb, bunless, lean beef burger made with a couple of patties. No, not one person wants that. Give me the bread. Give me the sauce. Why, all of the carbs. Why not still call it fat burger, but just have like a skinny burger portion of the menu? Yeah, or like a skinny. That menu. would be perfect. Sense. You that should have been in the business meeting. Blake. I bet people are offended by the name fat burger. Oh, you're right. That's a good point. That's probably what it oh, is. Lord. Do you think they'll have milkshakes without the dairy? Mm. That sounds like. A toilet a, time. A soy milk, soy milk shake. <laughs> I, I think the, like. the vegans on YouTube will go over that. Oh, God. Well. All right, coming up next. I don't like this rule change in the NFL. I mean, I get it. The Sean Payton rule. think it's overreaction? Yes. Okay. And I think it's going to change things and make the games so stilted. We'll talk about it. Gary and Shannon will continue. Feels good to be running from the devil. Another breath and I'm up another level. It feels good to be up above the clouds. It feels good for the first time in a long time now. Gary and Shannon. 1230 is when we jump into uh, stuff in Washington, D.C. So in a few minutes, we're going to be talking about the administration's call for the uh, the courts to strike down Obamacare. Um, everybody's kind of scratching their heads about this and trying to figure out what their next move is going to be. So we'll talk about that coming up in the one o'clock hour as well. Ryan Burrow is going to join us from Chicago once again, because there continues to be leaks of information. If you want to call it that from the police department about the Jesse Smollett case. The commissioner of the police department, the mayor, even the prosecutor who announced the decision to drop the charges, they all believe Jussie Smollett is guilty. But uh, but he's not going to be tried in a court of law. So we'll talk about that at 1 o'clock. Well, I think everyone admits that the Saints should have been in the Super Bowl because of that non-pass interference call. Yeah, late in the game. 
Um, this and the, they kept saying over and over again that the pass interference is not a reviewable play. You don't get to review that sort of a thing because it's a very subjective call whether or not a player. I mean, when you see it, you know exactly. I mean, there are some egregious pass interference calls that are clear, and everyone sitting and watching the TV can can tell that that was pass interference. But there are some of these that could be, might be. It's going to be hard to figure out what the protocol is going to be for calling pass interference in a replay situation. Right. Because what's pass interference to you, a ref in Los Angeles, may not be pass interference to me, a ref in New Orleans. Plus, you have to do it in, I mean, I know that they have the technology to do this, but it's different when we see it a lot of times on a replay in slow motion that you think that is either clearly not or it clearly is. And, the, you know, that time can make a difference. And it's kind of fun to have human error as part of the game. It's kind of fun to get irate when a, an official misses a call. Like, I'm already point of view, kind of but... sad about all of the anger I'm not going to feel this season when they review these. I feel the For... same way about balls and strikes in baseball. Yeah. You can't have computers do those. But with this, it's st- it's challengeable, right? Which means you still only get two a game, so they're still going to limit how many times that people can get it right. It seems like there's pass interference or holding on really every down. Yes. I th- I've heard that as well. You could argue that that you could throw a flag on every single play. You just have to find the ones that are the most egregious, and that's what you're trying to or, or you're trying to find those that not necessarily the most egregious, but would give one player the advantage over the other. And that's when you're going to throw the flag. The NFL is having its big party in Arizona at the Biltmore. This is going to be the 100th season, which is a big deal for the NFL. And they said they're bucking tradition here. Usually it's the Super Bowl winner who hosts the first game of the regular season, but they're not going to have the Patriots do that. The Patriots will host, I believe, the first Sunday night game, but they are having the Packers at the Bears, which is the NFL's oldest rivalry, Uh, and that is going to be special. I can't wait for all the packages the good folks in the uh, television industry are going to put together for for the league's 100th year. Overtime has been another problem. There was a proposal from the Chiefs, because remember, Chiefs Pats, Basically, they knew that they weren't going to get the ball once Tom Brady had the ball in overtime, right? They, I mean, Robert Kraft was relaxed. Tom Brady was going to drive down the field, and he was going to score a touchdown, and the, and the Chiefs were not going to get a chance to even up the score. And, that, and they would have. I mean, that game was a shootout, right? So they wanted to make sure each team has a chance to have a possession in overtime. And so the Chiefs said maybe eliminate the overtime coin flip, uh, allow the winner of the pregame coin flip to decide whether to kick off or receive to start overtime. And they'd also, under this proposal, eliminate overtime in preseason, which is just asinine and ridiculous. <laughs> well, they do that. I mean, again, to go to compare it to baseball as well, very rarely do you see an extra inning game in, in spring training anymore. They used to do it because, you know, you get to get everybody from the minor league camp into a game and the roster is 70 people deep. Now they're saying, listen, uh, for football, you just run the risk of injury already in preseason. Let's not let's not push our luck. So they may revisit those overtime changes 
May 20th when the league begins its spring meeting. And I apologize for doing this story and talking about this. Because well, as I see you, you making baseball analogies to everything I'm, I'm saying, I'm realizing tomorrow's opening day. A baseball and season. I apologize. I, no, I understand why you did it. It's because it, it was an unconscious thing that you did. This is, yeah. this is sort of you kind of building a little fence around. It's testicles and the salsa. Yeah, kind of. I apologize. Kinda. No, no, I get it. I totally understand. Like, here's your delicious salsa. It's yeah. fresh. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to be ready tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably around the time of our show, and you've been waiting to eat this salsa forever, oh, yeah. like for months. Side note, you should know. And I'm then the delivery guy testicles. puts his testicles in it. Um, wow. But that's a perfect analogy. Thank I you. Like uh, I did. I will say that you made a point that you believe that the games will become stilted or more stilted than they I already are. I just don't are. like replaying everything. I have a question. Yeah. yeah. What if this, because we all agree that you can find it no matter what any play in this situation. What if the replays have to be at live speed? Because if you do any pass at like frame by frame, right. Everyone's getting hit too early. Right. right. So I would what imagine. if it was live speed? I don't know what the details on it are. Would that make it more palatable? I think it, I think it is live speed. Yeah. I would imagine the NFL is smart enough to, to say that. Yeah. Because you'd have, because again, you'd have to be, if you're going to do those types of calls, if you're going to make a subjective call like that uh, up for review, then you have to be as close to that uh, that on-field official's point of view as possible. Right. That's I also I- heard the idea that now, because, you know, last two minutes you can't challenge, it's only review only, or like the officials have to ask for the review, that there'll be a lot of flopping by receivers oh, yeah. as soon as they feel like they And that's touched. what I'm talking about. The yeah. last two minutes are going to be insufferable. It's going to be like the last two minutes of a basketball game. Oh, yes. stop. That's exactly that, right. It's going to take yeah. 45. Yeah. Disgusting. All right. Are uh, either one of you going to opening day tomorrow? I was going no. to, but then I felt like it was irresponsible to, to not come to the show <laughs> and go to opening day. We'll have it on. Apparently, I had like four minutes of my entire life where I felt like being responsible, and it happened a couple weeks ago. You're growing. Swamp Watch when we come back. Gary and Shannon coming up at 1 o'clock in the 1 o'clock hour. It is True Crime Wednesday. We'll tell you the story of how... Contact lenses blew an old murder case wide open. Prime Minister Theresa May over in the UK has told lawmakers that she is ready to leave her job as Prime Minister earlier than she intended in order to win passage of the uh, the divorce deal from the European Union. She told lawmakers, a uh, committee of conservative lawmakers, that she wanted to do what was right for the country. So she will step down once they figure this thing out. 12.30 means we dive into all things Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp watch. 
It looks like Attorney General William Barr will make a version of Bob Mueller's report publicly available in a matter of weeks, not months, according to the Justice Department. I can't remember the last time a three-and-a-half-page letter generated as much, much interest as uh, William Barr's did on Sunday when he basically summarized the report he believed that uh, Bob Mueller had given him. As Carly Simon would sing, it's all about anticipation. This report has been anticipated ever since it began. Um, both the Justice Department and the Senate Judiciary uh, Chairman Lindsey Graham at least said there were no plans to give a copy of the report to the White House before it's made public. There have been a lot of criticism and Democrats have been uh, shaking their fists at the sky, screaming that that should not happen. Uh, in an interview on Fox News, Lindsey Graham said uh, that he has spoken with the attorney general and the president. And he said the president told him. He has no objection to the report being made public that uh, Barr told him that it was being delayed only for a series of reviews because there is still plenty of classified information that's uh, that's in this thing. There's grand jury information. There's potentially sensitive materials that could still be associated with other open cases, although Bob Mueller's team is not going to or at least they've indicated they're not going to indict anybody else in this. There is the potential that there are other cases that are open the Justice Department is investigating or uh, U.S. attorneys from around the country that could be looking at other people and other crimes. AOC is learning how things are done on the Hill. The Green New Deal failed to pass a procedural vote in the Senate yesterday. Mitch McConnell put the plan to the vote. This is the plan to create jobs, improve the environment. It's going to cost billions and billions and billions of dollars. We're basically not going to have cars or homes or anything like that. Um they forced it to a vote to force Democrats to take a public stand on the measure, try to divide the Democratic Party. The final vote was 57 against and no one for the plan, with 43 Democrats voting present. This is classic Mitch McConnell. And this is what AOC is going to run into in Washington. There's a way to get things done. There's a way to do things. And there's a way to force things to happen. And you've got to play by the rules of Washington. And they are very intricate. By the way, she, being um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, is rich with irony or hypocrisy. And she doesn't even know it. She said in a tweet, the GOP's whole game of wasting votes in Congress to target others on the record for legislation they have no intent to pass is a disgrace. Stop wasting the American people's time and learn to govern. Our jobs aren't for campaigning, and that's exactly what these bluff votes are for. Hold on a second. She's talking about wasting time to target others on the record. She is the one who called out moderate Democrats and said, you will be on the record as supporting whatever legislation is is so moderate that she doesn't want anything to do with, and said that she would hold it against those Democrats— In her own party, she would hold those people responsible for their moderate votes. Joe Biden is trying to distance himself from white men, despite being a white man. Biden played a role in the Anita Hill debacle that were the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings back in 1991. Uh, Anita Hill was... an employee or she worked in Clarence Thomas's office and she was testifying about sexual inappropriate statements and behavior. It was very much like 1991's Brett Kavanaugh, although I don't believe an assault happened. I'm not sure. I don't remember, actually. Mm-hmm. I just, just remember the Diet Coke. Just jokes. Just jokes remember the, the Diet Coke. Coke. And everything. Yeah. Well, Biden is trying to distance himself from that. 
saying that he condemns a white man's culture. He says, to this day, I regret I couldn't come up with a way to give Anita Hill the kind of hearing she deserved because basically she was, uh, as a black woman, just forced to face this panel of, of, of white guys when she talked about her sexual harassment allegations. I hate that. I don't know why it would be Joe Biden's fault that he was there and that there were no women or or people of color. Well, because he's the chair and he supposedly should have had, I don't know. It was 1991. Is, it was too. 1991. And it's the thing about going back and apologizing for stuff. Listen, he can he can apologize. That's that's up to him. Whatever sort of moral gymnastics he wants to go through to try to justify what that was like for him. But. He said in this in this event in New York City, it was honoring young people who helped combat sexual assaults on college campuses. He says no man has a right to lay a hand on a woman, no matter what she's wearing. She does. She is unless it's in self-defense. Never. If you see a brother taking an inebriated co-ed up the stairs at a frat house and you don't go and stop it, you're a damn coward. You don't deserve to be called a man. Why am why am I would waiting for 76-year-old Joe Biden to tell me that as a college student. Because Joe Biden has a white man problem. So for him to uh, pit himself against other white entitled men, it's a good look for him in 2020 or for 2020. When you've got a crowded field of women and people I mean, of color. There- when you but we're in this position now, I feel like whether it's uh, something as trivial, perhaps as Kevin Hart hosting the Oscars or Joe Biden running for president, which is arguably more important than that, going back and apologizing for stuff that was, I don't know, it's very in right now. Because remember, everyone's offended and they're retroactively offended. But do you? I'm have- retroactively offended by Jagged Little Pill. Somewhat different, but would you apologize? Would you, thirty-seven-year-old you, apologize to seventeen-year-old you for making you listen to no. the Alanis Morissette no. album? No, but you regret it. No, it was uh, you know we 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 do things for a reason when we do them. Was there a particularly bad breakup that you were going through? Or no. You, oh, absolutely not. You were just happy to see that there were Canadians just make believe relationships. Life. All right, Gary and Shannon will continue more Swamp Watch when we come back. Wednesday. It's March twenty oh, seventh. You know what? It's Chris and Carlo's birthday today. Both of them. Yep. Twins. Maybe you should sing him a, du- a Disney selection. Like Ooh, you- yeah. yeah. Like you do on birthdays. Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? A girl <laughs> who has everything. Is that good enough? I think Chris and Carlo deserve something live. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should go for as many seconds as he as uh, years he is old. Maybe the um, the uh, Aladdin song when he's going through the market. Ooh, 
What's, how does that one go? How does it go? Got to keep one jump. Yep. <laughs> yep. One jump ahead of that. What is it? How does it? I don't know. One step ahead of the sword. <laughs> I steal only what I can't afford. I don't know it. You I see st- how your face lights up? No, it's not. It's embarrassment. Barbara Bush. Oh, she's gone. She has a book coming out. Well, <laughs> there's a book about Barbara Bush That's coming out. That's a better out. way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that. It's called The Matriarch, Barbara Bush and the Making of an American Dynasty. The author is Susan Page. She's the USA Today Washington Bureau Chief. And she talks about Barbara Bush being rushed to the hospital in June in 2016. And the late first lady apparently cited angst brought on by then presidential candidate Donald Trump. And his persistent attacks on Jeb Bush. Jeb! Barbara apparently died thinking that Donald Trump's attacks on Jeb were a factor to her congestive heart failure. Exacerbated the problem. Susan Page writes, the tumultuous presidential campaign in general and Trump's ridicule of son Jeb Bush in particular had riled her. According to Susan Page, Jeb had urged Barbara to let go of her frustrations with Trump and instead focus on herself and her health. Of course, Trump would criticize Jeb as being weak and low energy on the campaign trail, which was absolutely true. Jeb would say, Mom, don't worry about the things you can't do anything about. And Barbara Bush told this woman, Susan Page, he's right. Just do good. Make life better for someone else. Um... I. <sighs> she said in an interview to CBS News, I mean, unbelievable. I don't know how women can vote for someone who said what he said about Megyn Kelly. And we knew what he, and, and we knew what he meant to remember the blood coming out of her, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Barbara Bush was protecting her son. Right. I don't I don't blame her at all for believing that the her son getting picked on by this guy was. I just don't know why. I don't know. I mean, it's, your wife would kill somebody. If she had to. Yeah. I, I would not stand in her way if. Yeah. You know, I, but I just, I I don't know. It's it's weird that we continue to talk about these ongoing feuds between Donald Trump and somebody, whether it's Donald Trump and the Bush family, Donald Trump and the McCain family. Donald People Trump that are the dead. Bush. Yeah, they're gone. And Barbara, for all intents and purposes, I believe was a very nice person. And was upset when her son got dragged through the media like he was a giant waste of Kleenex. Which, by the way, in that campaign, he kind of was. Can we talk about Ted Cruz and how how long he's letting that beard go? It's it's a deliverance situation at this point, isn't it? It does seem strange. Um, and I don't know if it's just we're used to him clean-shaven when he was on the campaign trails, probably when most people were exposed to him to any degree. But he he showed up in this Senate subcommittee hearing today on the uh, FAA and the NTSB and their relationship with Boeing. And he looks like like he's trying to be Wolverine or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very similar. Just the the oldest Wolverine. Like a man beast. You don't... That's not a thing for you? You don't like facial hair? Oh, I love beards. Okay. But Shannon describing his as a, 
Ted Cruz as a man beast. Well, like a like a Wolverine, like half yeah. man, half beast. Yeah, scary. Uh, the president is apparently com- <laughs> complaining that we're sending too much money to Puerto Rico. Oh boy! Uh, complained in a private lunch yesterday with Senate Republicans about the amount of disaster aid that was designated for Puerto Rico. They are still trying to figure out how much money they're going to continue to pay uh, to Puerto Rico for the recovery, of course, from Hurricane Maria. And he used the examples of Texas and South Carolina. Texas, also hit by a bunch of hurricanes, was given $29 billion in aid. South Carolina was given $1.5 billion in aid. Puerto Rico was getting $91 billion in aid. And said this is way too much compared with the compensation that we give uh, states here in the mainland. And we remarked only that he could buy Puerto Rico four times over for the cost of $91 billion. Mm. I mean, I understand they've had a horrible spending problem. They've had some incredibly bad uh, years economically and he's his argument is we shouldn't be covering for that we should simply be covering for the repair of the infrastructures uh, infrastructure all right coming up next more fallout today in chicago following the decision by the state's attorney's office to drop the charges against jesse smollett we will go live to chicago and hear all the latest when we come back to gary and shannon keep seeing visions of you visions of visions of you Ted Cruz is the guy that has the floor on Capitol Hill as the Boeing 737 MAX crashes take center stage. He says the crashes have shaken the public's confidence, of course, this hearing was opened up today by the Senate Commerce Committee's Aviation Subcommittee, and he chairs that committee. The Boeing executives were conciliatory in their tone when talking about the crashes, but pushed back when they spoke about the criticism of their relationship with the FAA being a little too cozy. Coming up in the next segment, we're going to do a True Crime Wednesday story out of North Carolina from a few years back. It's uh, 10, 15 years old now, and it's just an amazing case where one tiny little clue, one piece of evidence is what blew this case wide open, and in this case, it was a contact lens. So we'll talk about that coming up. We go live to Chicago now where we find Ryan Burrow, who is covering the more, well, more more fallout today after the Jesse Smollett charges were dropped. What is the latest, Ryan? So going on, actually, as we speak right now, uh, ABC7, our affiliate here in Chicago, is interviewing uh, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox about her office's decision to drop these charges. Remember, she recused herself at the very beginning of this, and she said it was because uh, she had had a relationship. She had had contact with someone uh, at the very beginning of this case, someone from Smollett's camp, uh, that came to them and asked that uh, the feds investigate this case instead of uh, Chicago police. She immediately recused herself, but we don't know 
to what extent she continued to have any involvement. Recusing obviously means you should have no involvement, um, but there are questions as to whether she's got her fingerprints on anything involved in any agreements or any conversations that were had, and that's something uh, that may be hashed out later as uh, some Freedom of Information Act uh, um, you know, requests are made and, and filed about uh, communications. That being said, she continues to say that, A, they believe they had enough information there uh, to convict uh, Jesse Smollett of these 16 charges. She stands by the investigation by Chicago police. She stands by everything that uh, Chicago police have said about the case and, and the way they went about it. Um, but she feels that in a case where, uh, you know, there was no necessarily violent crime that took place. Uh, Jesse Smollett had done some community service, had forfeited his $10,000 bond, uh, that that was good enough, that there was really nothing else left there to get out of him, and as a result, they, they dissolved the charges. The commissioner of the police department said yesterday they still had all kinds of evidence, some of which would never be seen now because of the court case that was sealed. What did they release? Because I understand they did have some documents they put out. Yeah, this was uh, it's kind of funny. Early this morning, uh, about 38 pages of their investigation uh, were released publicly, and it was one of those, oops, we didn't know we weren't allowed to release this information. <laughs> there, there wasn't a lot in there. Uh, it was kind of a, kind of like a, a last burst of the faucet from uh, Chicago police before they, they shut everything down. Um, just a couple little pieces of information. We learned when the, uh, the brothers deposited the checks they got from Smollett uh, that uh, they, police still hadn't confirmed a motive in, in in uh, faking this attack, um, there, there were a couple of the little things here and there, nothing, nothing major, and some of it was heavily redacted. But yeah, uh, completely sealed now. Uh, so unless a judge steps in and unseals it, uh, none of this information will see the light of day. There's just one hurdle to believing uh, Jesse Smollett's whole deal about being innocent, and I've been innocent all along, and I've maintained my innocence and what his attorney says, and that's the fact that he paid ten thousand dollars and did all those hours of community service. And when you're guilty. You just don't do those things. Exactly. And if you ask his people, uh, they will say, well, they didn't want this to drag out. And really, $10,000, uh, what's that? Uh, you know, just, just for him to drag this out in court and embarrass everyone and potentially embarrass uh, himself and, and hurt his career further. Why not just pay it and then move on? Um, but, yeah, and there are a lot of questions. And the community service he did was several hours with the Rainbow Push Coalition here in Chicago. Um, they said he talked to some choir groups and, and things like that. Um, his future uh, on TV is, is unknown at this point. We know he's written off the last two episodes of Empire, and uh, we don't know what his status is going to be. Uh, Fox released a statement saying that uh, uh, there was gratitude uh, toward the, the final decision, but that didn't really say much about his future. So uh, we'll see if he continues on the show, and uh, this will no doubt be hanging over him for quite some time. Yesterday when we talked, we hadn't heard from the Osandaro brothers or their lawyer. Has that changed at all? Okay, so uh, Gloria Schmidt, who is representing them, is no longer representing them. Uh, we just had her on our local affiliate here, WGN Radio in Chicago, and she said, my time was done. There's, there's nothing else left to represent. So uh, she backed away, and um, they're, they're all moving on. So you would think if indeed what Jesse Smollett said, that he was attacked by these two men, who he ended up knowing, that there would be some kind of prosecution against them. Uh, but nope, doesn't sound like that. And in fact, his attorney said no comment. So doesn't look like there's going to be anything going against these, these two brothers. I'm interested to see what his future is in Hollywood, mm. you know, because while 20th Century Fox is saying, oh, he's maintained his innocence all along and it seems like they're not going to cut him from the show. 
why you would consider, you know, what does that say about the studios or the, the different networks that would have somebody like that on, somebody that would lie and fake a hate crime for attention? And you're almost putting your label on top of, of that when yeah. you hire him for a show or anything. Three words for you. Mighty Ducks 4. How about that? Because remember, he was in the, he was an original Mighty Duck. I had no idea. Yeah. Go back. Watch the tape. He's the one who calls Banks the cake eater. You have extensive Mighty wow. Ducks knowledge. No, I have extensive Jesse Smollett knowledge. This has gone on for a little too long here in the city of Chicago. <laughs> Ryan, thank you. Uh, enjoy your uh, Enjoy your day watching watching the Mighty Ducks movies. Thanks, man. Take care. Yep. Ryan Burrow, they're live in Chicago with the latest on what's going on with the Jesse Smollett case. I uh, again, I, I'm I'm curious to see the mental gymnastics that people are putting themselves through to say that he's innocent and was the victim of a crime. Still, considering everyone, even in the the you know the the idea that prosecutors are not prosecuting is not because they thought they couldn't put a case together. In fact, the assistant state attorney who was in charge, or at least has been the face of this thing, has said, we believe he did it. We believe he had organized this attack. We believe that he faked it. We believe that he tried to do it for his own personal gain. And uh, we just think that he's already paid the price for it, I guess, which is ludicrous considering the amount of attention, negative attention, that it brought the city of Chicago. So anyway, when we come back telling you more about this uh, incredible cold case out of 2005, a murder case that led to a husband serving prison time. We'll tell you what happened and uh, how that case was solved. Gary and Shannon will continue. Monica Ricks, what's going Sorry, on? Sorry, I went down a mighty duck's hole. Oh, that's a- Oh, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I lost time there for a minute. There's oh, a bad mighty ducks thing. There's like a curse for the mighty ducks, I think. Um, anyway, Monica, what's up? Every once in a while, I like to bring along these uh, true crime stories. Yeah, Isabella found this one, and it is a doozy. I tell you, you won't believe the way this story is going to end. Let us introduce you to Raven and Janet Abaroa. Abaroa. Yes, of course, the Abaroas. They they met when they were both at Southern Virginia University. Um. Both soccer players, both, both soccer Mormons. Players, yep. So August 2000, a couple years after they were together, Janet and Raven Abaroa get married at a Mormon temple in Washington, D.C. They settle in Virginia. Friends and family say that their life was perfect. They got a job opportunity and moved to Durham, North Carolina. They both started working for the same sporting goods company. And it was at this point in the marriage where Janet's sisters say the couple began to have some marital problems. Now, as you mentioned, they met in 98, married by 2000. It was a whirlwind romance. Raven saying she was beautiful about Janet, attractive. I felt so much comfort when I was with her. It was this amazing journey of getting to know each other. But just two years later, they're married. They moved to Durham, as you said, and that's when the problems begin. Yeah. Janet's sister said 
that Raven went to Janet one day because he wanted to be out of the marriage. He'd explained to her that he had been cheating on her with several different people. And very soon after that uh, argument slash discussion took place, she found out that she was pregnant. She told her older sister that she did not want to raise the baby as a single mother. She was going to stay in the marriage, hopefully work things out. This should have been the happiest time of their life, right? Awaiting their first child. And it seemed like things had worked out. They welcomed their son named Caden in October of 2004. Apparently, it was around this time that Raven promised, swore up and down that he would no longer cheat on Janet. She was the only one for him. They were going to make it work. Yeah, and according to the friends, the family, the baby's birth kind of started the process of them mending the marriage. And then... Again, the baby was born in October, December of 2004. Raven is caught stealing from the company. He, now, was, he was embezzling money from the sports apparel company that they were both working for. Janet is mortified, and so she resigns from her job. He eventually pleads guilty to five charges of embezzlement, and there was no jail time involved. Fast forward a couple of months. April 26, 2005. Raven says his wife is getting ready for bed about 8 o'clock. He's going to go out and play soccer with some buddies and says he got home just after 10 o'clock and found his wife Janet's body with multiple stab wounds. In the 911 call, you can hear Raven telling the operator, my wife is dead. She's been shot. There's blood everywhere. She's not breathing. Police turning up on the scene quickly realized she had not been shot. She had been stabbed multiple times. Now, nothing else in the house was disturbed. The, the six-month-old boy was was not hurt. Uh, there was no other sign of a struggle or anything like that. This captivated Durham, North Carolina, and the suburbs. And this was an unsolved murder of this beautiful young mom. What the hell? This happened here? Who is this? Who is, who is responsible? In the meantime, Raven is picking up and moving on with his life. Yeah. He actually relocates and he moves to Salt Lake City with their son, Caden. So he, as a single dad, newly single because of the death of his wife, meets another single mom. Her daughter happened to be in the same daycare program as Caden. Her name's Vanessa Pond. And she says, Raven seemed very upfront, very honest and genuine. I found out he was a single father. I really admired that. And so they started dating. Yeah. Now, he had mentioned, of course, that his wife had died to her, and she said she felt sorry for him and and for the the little boy who was going to grow up without a mom, so they decide to move in together. Well, as you might expect, early on in the relationship, Vanessa goes online to find more about the death of of Raven's uh, Raven's first wife. She says at the time, and remember they have moved in together, that at the time she wasn't convinced that this guy was innocent in his first wife's murder. I'm sorry. If there's one iota of my being that thinks I'm living with my kid and a killer, I'm not going to be living with that person, right? If there's one little, if there's one little fiber of your being that thinks that your significant other is a killer, you're going to stay in that house? 
She said she asked him questions and that that removed any doubt. She said that he told her he had stories about how people were trying to frame him, about how horrible the police detectives were, how he tried to continue to contact the police to find out what was going on, and And, they were being tight-lipped. And apparently that was good enough for her because three years after Janet is violently stabbed to death, Vanessa Pond decides to marry Raven in their backyard of her parents' home. Now, when Janet... Wait, pull the car up. Yeah, go ahead. Because there's parents involved here, too, now. Other people. More people. More people that are just glossing over this whole first wife violently murdered. Which is also a good point when you bring this up and you say that because if you had a girlfriend who I want you to meet, I want you to meet Raven. Oh, what's his story? Uh, Single dad, you know, the wife died. Um, oh, really? He's so young. How did his wife die? Uh, you know, she was murdered in their bathroom. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Who did it? Oh, they don't They don't know. Well, do you think it could be him? Of course, that's where your mind goes. Well, right. I thought so originally, but... <laughs> but he answered my question right. sufficiently. He's so smooth. He's such a nice talker, and he does the laundry without me asking. <gasps> oh. Life is rough for when, single moms. When the first wife's sisters learn that Raven was engaged again, they reach out to the new fiancé. They call Vanessa. They said, we just wanted to make her aware of the things that had been in the news about him, that she would know what she was getting into. They were fearful for her. And again, this is after she'd already gone through the, you know... I'm not sure. He might have done it. I don't know. This is weird. These articles online don't look good, but he answered my questions. Oh, for the love. She says when the sisters reached out to her, Vanessa, that she was heartbroken. She didn't want to believe it. And then his behavior began to change. And we'll tell you all about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue. Monica Rick says an update on the news. If I would have just laid my drink down and walked down, well, I wouldn't be in my truck. Hard time explaining that to the facilities guy. The facilities guy, the guy that sends out emails about refrigerator cleaning every what Friday. What happened to that phone? Well, I'm feeling destructive. Yeah, so you flip the phone off the desk. It's still working for now, but I'm not going to put it back up on the desk. We have been uh, telling you about the Jesse Smollett case, of course. The Chicago Police Department did release some information. Not a lot, but just some. It included uh, images of him in a car with one of those Nigerian brothers uh, just a couple of days before he was attacked. Although I guess Jesse Smollett is standing by his story that he was attacked by these pro-Trump, anti-gay, racist Nigerian Nigerians, brothers yeah. that he was working mm-hmm. out with. So I guess that's what he's sticking with. We're telling you the story of Raven and Janet Abaroa. Mm-hmm. They were a young couple, married young, had a young son when one day Raven comes home from soccer practice and finds his 25-year-old wife stabbed to death violently. They don't know who did it. It's in Durham, North Carolina. It's in 2005, and it just captivates the area. Who would have killed this pretty young mom? A couple of years go by. They don't solve the case. Raven leaves and goes to Salt Lake City with their son, Caden. Meets a new woman, Vanessa Pond. They strike it up. They get married. She's Although, a single mom. 
She's a single mom, too. Yeah. Although Vanessa at one point says, hey, how'd your wife die? And he says, oh, she stabbed to death in my bathroom. And she starts looking into it and going against her gut. Her gut reaction was he may have had something to do with it, but she talks herself out of it as much as he does. And decides to marry him in the backyard of her parents' home. Her parents also uh, blowing through those red lights. You know, you'd like somebody to have enough sense to to pull that car over and say, you know, wait, maybe maybe we wait until they solve the case of who murdered his first wife before you hitch your wagon to this star. The first wife's sisters called Vanessa just to warn her. Listen, we think he did this. We think he's capable of bad things. And she says, not long after the phone calls from from Janet's sisters, Raven begins acting different. He would be very volatile. In moments, he could switch. He would say the most horrible things and then moments later would apologize. Then it becomes physical. She says, at one point, he grabbed me from the door, threw me up against a wall. I fell down. Later, he tried to convince me that I tripped. So they're just four months into their marriage. And she's fearing for her safety. So they separate, and the marriage is annulled. They went public in, uh, she went public in 2009 with her fears that he killed his first wife. So the Durham, North Carolina police assigned a new detective to Janet Abaroa's case at some point around this time. This new detective said Raven never kept the lies straight. His statements to law enforcement initially were contradictory. And as this detective is going through some of these old crime scene photos, and again, this is this is four years after the, the actual crime, after the murder, he said something stuck out to him as odd. And I think everybody has seen this scene in a murder mystery like this, where the cop is just kind of either he's flying through these photos or maybe he's got them posted up on the, the wall or something like that, and then... Something catches his eye. It's like this scene in A Few Good Men when Tom Cruise goes into the closet to get the bat that Demi Moore put away. And he was so pissed that she put that bat away. But he gets in the closet and he sees all the clothes hanging there and he says, aha, Private Santiago never packed to go home. He wasn't planning on going home. And it blows the story wide open. In this case, the detective noticed the case for contact lenses on the counter. The top of it was off. Wait a minute, though. Raven said she was getting ready to go to bed. She was in bed. She would have already had her contacts out. Right. And to make sure, the detective goes to Janet's family and says, hey, what was her bedtime routine? She didn't sleep with her contacts in, did did she? Absolutely said, not. She would never no. have done that. She was very, very adamant about taking those contacts out before she went to sleep. The other thing minor but uh, but uh, in terms of the importance of how this case went at, went down the detective said i didn't notice any disturbance based on a multiple stabbing that's that's not a that's not a one place thing you're going to put up a fight it's violent there's a struggle there's disturbance and the detective said you just didn't see that from any of those pictures He is arrested and charged with the first-degree murder and the death of his first wife. They ended up exhuming Janet's body and determined that she had been wearing her contacts when she was buried. His trial begins in 2013, and prosecutors 
presented Raven as what he was, a controlling husband. And Vanessa Pond, remember the girl in Salt Lake City, she testified as a witness for the prosecution. She was able to sit on the stand and detail how Raven became violent on the soccer field and how his aggression eventually turned to her. She said in court, when he sees weakness, he just comes at you harder and harder. He told me how much he hated me and how much it didn't matter if I died. Side note. If you murder your first wife and then you remarry, probably not a good idea while detectives are still looking into your first wife's murder that you threaten your new wife with killing her. Just Well, what are you, advice. a relationship expert? Just a life advice. That first jury failed to reach a verdict. They deadlocked 11 to 1 on a guilty verdict. The judge declares a mistrial. They go to trial again. It was supposed to go to trial March 2014. Raven Abaroa enters an Alford plea, which is basically there's no there's evidence to convict, but I'm not admitting guilt. And it wasn't for murder. It was for voluntary manslaughter. A judge sentences him to between 95 and 123 months in jail. But he was granted credit for the four years he had spent behind bars before and during his trial. That applied as time served. So Christmas Day, 2017. Raven uh, Abaroa is released from prison. He now lives in Utah. Vanessa Pond is offering advice for other women who might meet Raven. She's saying, stay away. She says, please listen to what's out there, what's available on the Internet. Please don't be drawn in. Please get away as fast as you can. (laughs) I had suggested, I got to tell you something. Uh, There's a name I need you to look up. And I was going to tell this to a friend of ours in the in the hallway this morning. We were talking about a common friend uh, who was dating a new guy and was trying to find uh, through 23andMe some family members. And I said, just give just give Shannon the name. Just write down a little post-it note. Give Shannon the name. Yeah. She'll find it. Yeah. So. I'm pretty uh, pretty good at that stuff. It's it's that you're relentless. And I think that's an incredible Dedic- quality to have. Dedicated. When you're, when you're trying to find somebody on the internet. I mean, you saw how quickly I uncovered your daughter's prom date. <laughs> I feel like women could run the CIA. Oh, the absolutely. If you if you couched everything as a, a call from a girlfriend, hey, I just heard <laughs> about this guy. I want to go on a date with him. Mm-hmm. He yeah. turns out to be uh, an international terrorist. I could offer that service for, for girls who don't have time for that on their Bumble or whatever. That would be great. You could become a private detective. No. You can take over my account. <laughs> Don't tease. You know what? I shouldn't. I shouldn't Monica. because she, she just got too excited. I can feel it. <laughs> I mean. I can feel it. I would love to take over your life. <laughs> over my life? Isn't that really what it would be? Uh, <sighs> Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Monica. I need it. I need it. I need it. I need you. I need it. I just found another wedding venue idea for Nick. A couple, actually. There's the Minneapolis Mills City Museum. It's a former flour mill that exploded in the 19th century. But it looks kind of like a piece of the Colosseum or something. Really? Like it exploded, exploded, or like it like did boom. very well? Like, oh. boom. Boom. <laughs> or 
tickets for the explosion sound. You could go to a Bolivian salt flat. That sounds interesting. But are we doing are, again? Wait, are we? How destination are we doing the destination? You're right. It's it's, it's yeah right. Should we keep it in the continental United States? Do do we have to keep it in California? No. Oh, really? really? How far we could are you road trip this be? Sure. Area fifty one. I, I mean, let's think about a serious like like seriously. Like I, let's pretend. I don't think. I, I honestly seriously, think no. I'm not going to his, the salt flats of Bolivia. Just for <laughs> Nick's protection, we should stop asking him. Oh. We need to get his fiance in here and ask her because right. I think she's the well, one. Well, I thought we could whittle down our choices and then present them to her. Or maybe it's uh, similar to Gary's thing where she's already specifically said where she wants to get married and uh, he's just not listening. No, she has not. <laughs> Thanks, she Blake. hasn't. Thanks, okay. Blake. I was going on two hours there not mentioning it and I was going to go home safely, but thanks. So, <laughs> Remember, we still have a two-hour meeting. You're safe. <laughs> it wasn't a hard no uh, on the Titanic Museum. Right. Okay. So that'll go on the list. What I'll do is I'll prepare her like, you know, likely places, like maybe top three in California and then okay. maybe con- continental U.S. Can you put like a slideshow together? Um, no, but I'll make a list. Okay. A list I just shows. don't know how to do a slideshow. I'm okay with PowerPoint. I'll help you out. Just you, make a PowerPoint. You guys want another sign that uh, we're gaining speed in our descent into hell? Because you could do it at the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta. Ooh, we could do it in the balloon. Right, that's what you do. But then, what if we the have balloon a fiesta goes down? The fiesta. Full. The balloon goes down. How often do the balloons go down, though? That's I think we'll be. I've a, read. You at do least not want to be the first. Four or five news stories in my life about a hot air balloon going down in forty years. Were they? Or, uh, sorry. Now you're not welcome here or up. at home. All right, maybe nothing here's, in the air. Here's the latest indication that we're gaining speed as we uh, continue on this uh, handbasket to hell. Cliff Kingsbury. You guys know, of course, uh, former USC guy uh, was hired away by the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, we disagree wildly on this. I think this is a great move. Young Ryan uh, Gosling-looking head coach, right? He does not look like Ryan Gosling. In this picture, he kind of looks like that. He's got that sleepy-eyed Canadian thing going on. Um, He told um, reporters at the owners' meeting in Phoenix yesterday he plans to implement cell phone breaks at the team meetings it makes sense to feed his players addiction here's the thing these are kids that have grown up on social media they are addicted to it and if you want the focus of 25 year old guys you're gonna have to give them some time to do social media so he's gonna give them like 20 minute breaks at team meetings so that they can focus they can go get this do their social media get it out of the way come back and be able to focus on that whiteboard or whatever they use. Projector. Why don't we also just do cocaine breaks as well? That's different. That's Why an illegal that substance. Why? But so? And it's harmful. Okay. So cell phones aren't harmful? If all you're doing is feeding this 19, 20, 21-year-old kid's brain with... Listen, it can get... It can get tedious when you're in those team meetings and the minutiae of, of assignments and plays and all of that. And their minds are going to wander. Don't you want them to just be able to play a little bit and then come back and focus better? Is he going to allow smartphones on the sideline? No. Is he going to allow smartphones in the locker room? Like at halftime? Probably. Some of them do, I think. Some of them do have access in that. You don't think that's a bad idea? I I do I I on game day I would say I'm sh- I, you know I don't know of a team that allows them at halftime I think that would be a horrible idea horrible I say and do you have any other news from the grandpa desk I do 
Okay. Uh, I did want to tell you about an event that's coming up on Sunday. It's March 31st, and it's from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. out at the Easton headquarters on Willow Lane and Thousand Oaks. Uh, Easton is putting on an event for first responders, um, whether it's Ventura County Fire, Ventura County Sheriff, L.A. County Sheriff, LAPD, uh, L.A. Fire, whoever it is. Um, they want first responders and their immediate family to go on out to the Easton headquarters and have an, they call it an Easton experience and get a special discount on all the Easton sporting goods that they've got out there. Sergeant Ron Helis, of course, who lost his life in the borderline bar and grill shooting back in November is going to be honored there. There will be a presentation to his wife, Karen, at about noon. They have music out there. The Justin Hansinger Band will will perform live from 11 o'clock. They have a crony sports bar that's donating tri-tip barbecue lunch for police and fire. 14 Cannons Brewery on hand with a bunch of beer for everybody. And they also have, if you're uh, fire, police, whatever, and you've got, say, a baseball or softball team, they have uh, free hitting and bat testing all day and huge discounts for first responders on all the Easton bats, gloves, helmets, bags, etc. So again, that's uh, this Sunday, March 31st, from nine in the morning to four o'clock at Easton headquarters. We have uh, the information up on our socials. If you want to go to uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at Gary and Shannon, you can find the information there. All right, John and Ken show coming up next. We'll see you manana. Oh, Blake says the baby animal bracket is also up. Well, pimp it, Blake. Yeah. Hey, guys, go to KFIM640.com, keyword Gary and Shannon, and vote on the uh, the rest of the first round of the uh, baby animal bracket where we have beaks and wings and uh, wild card divisions the facing off today and, and tomorrow. and the wild card division. Yeah, that's simply because there's a platypus and we – that's the only thing. <laughs> Excellent. But Thank you, Blake. You're welcome. Thank you, everyone. Carry on. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. And so we come to the end of another fun-filled episode of – Gary and Shannon.